Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tap Calf Transmissions, the most technically challenged Star Wars podcast in existence, <laughs> and also the only Star Wars podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, co-host, and sometimes lover, Corey Loses, to discuss Crimson Empire 2. How are you doing today, Corey? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I thought you were going to address the sometimes lover thing, but well, I'm going to let that, that's why gonna let that one sit. It's going to let that sit with the fans, I guess. It's just the sometimes part that gets me. <laughs> so this is our third attempt at recording this podcast. Thankfully, we didn't get too far the other times, but we've been having a few technical issues. But everything's fine now. Everything's fine now. And we are discussing, as I mentioned in my brief intro, the very fun... Corey, do you want to say it? Council of Blood. <laughs> Council of Blood, which is part two of Crimson Empire, six issues, just like part one. Before we jump into that, though, should we take a few seconds to, uh, to talk about some Star Wars news of the week? Anything that you thought was special in your life that you want to mention, Corey? Uh, did anything other than Hunters get announced? Because I... Did I, I mean, did I forget something? Is a Zynga, is a Zynga free-to-play iOS game not good enough for you? See, I figured we'd be on the same page with this. I've seen some people excited about this, but, like, I don't... No. Like, no. It, I don't know. It, it's, <laughs> is it Switch or is it phone? What was the... It's Switch... And yeah. iOS and Android. Yeah. Okay, so at least the iOS and Android part means maybe some people will get to play it. I don't know about you. I've tried to use Nintendo Switch Online sometimes. Oh, maybe it's, it's my Wi-Fi, but like no. you can't get it's through terrible. a single race on Mario Kart. And I like I have good internet. I've had the internet in places where like I'd had it's like right next to the router. It's like <laughs> no, there's no option to to plug it in to hardwire. No. Like I I don't I don't see what you're gonna be doing with it, but. We do know it's set between episode six and seven, and there's someone with a lightsaber. So that's yeah. That's she looked exciting. like kind of like a night sister, didn't she? Yeah. Nintendo is just straight up idiotic when it comes to like pretty much everything. Like they're lucky their first party games are good because like their internet services are literally a decade behind Xbox Live. Like when you go to play Smash, you have to wait. Like, have you ever tried to play Smash on uh, Nintendo Online? I have not. You like you have to wait like in a line, like a literal line to play up next. It's it's just like it's bizarrely bad. Um so and I mean this this recent uh, Nintendo Direct was pretty shitty as well, so just like N Nintendo doesn't do, <laughs> they do a lot that's really bad, but we'll save that for um our Nintendo podcast, I guess. Is that is that what we're going to be doing after uh because we were saying we'd do Victory's Price, and then mm -hmm. we'd do something non-Star Wars for a week. Uh, is Are we just going to do, like, the, the Nintendo cast or something? Get Charlie on again and let him talk about the Zelda randomizer that he loves? No. I'd, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> Channel can't survive that few views. Yeah. The, the two uh, Zelda streams almost killed X2, so I don't think we need to kill the lore <laughs> channel as well. <laughs> Charlie messaged me in the morning. He's like, oh, "Pretty epic," and I check, and it was not. <laughs> but yeah. uh, the the man likes what he likes. I can't I can't complain. I'm just trying to think. Any other Star Wars news really this week? I don't think um, so. No, it's been pretty been pretty quiet to be honest. Um, hoping there was there were rumors that we were going to get uh, Republic Commando on the Switch release. 
uh, at Nintendo Direct, which I do still think that Republic Commando on the Switch will be a thing eventually. And I just think it's going to be the most torturous game of all time. Like, just just terrible to play. And I don't know. Have you ever tried playing, like, any sort of shooter on the Switch? Uh, I don't think I have, actually, no. Yeah, well, I, I guess I'm just not a fan of Republic Commando generally. Have you, you played the game, was it a couple years ago, wasn't it? Republic Commando, yeah, I think in like 2017 I did a, a full playthrough. What were your thoughts? Because I am pretty vocally anti-Republic Commando. The story mm-hmm. is okay for the four hours that it exists, uh, and the, uh, the like... The HUD and stuff is cool, and the environment is cool, but like, what do you what do you think of the game? I guess I I enjoy it. Like, I understand the problems you have with it, and I have some similar problems with it, but I still think it was at least decent. And uh, like, there are a few frustrating parts, but outside of the, those specific parts, I enjoy it because like, mm-hmm. I feel like my opinion on uh, on Battlefront Two, the original Battlefront Two, is more similar to your opinion on Republic Commando. Mm. Uh, it's like I I always liked Republic Commando, and I liked it before I was a Star Wars. Or me and my cousin would play it before. At least he was never a Star Wars fan. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember the exact timeline on stuff, but <laughs> I think I was a Star Wars fan before it came out. But like, I think it it's something that I would take to people who were not Star Wars fans. I'm like, this is a fun game at the time. Whereas Battlefront <laughs> Two. Like I enjoyed Battlefront One, and I had some friends who enjoyed Battlefront One, but Battlefront Two was just like, okay, this is isn't okay. that great. Okay, I I understand where you're coming from the Battlefront Two thing. We'll we'll have to do a uh, Battlefront Two episode at some point. Um, we'll replay through the campaign and mm-hmm. report back. Well, we can do it. We could do a longer. co-op as well. Yeah, that's that could true. Be a thing that's true. Then it's actually a lot more tolerable in mm-hmm. multiplayer because like. Or in co-op. Because part of it is just like the AI in that game is absolute trash. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. As, when you're comparing it against even other FPSs that came out at the same time, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, but that was also true of Battlefront 1. It's yeah. Like, and I mean, there's also like, there's also some maps. That game's like so poorly balanced. Like I remember the Kashyyyk map. It's like impossible for i think the attacking side to win i can't remember but um yeah well like the battlefront 2 thing for me it's like yeah it's the sequel it came out and it's one of the clearest examples of like rushing a game out the door to have a movie tie-in that i've kind of ever seen like there none of the stuff that got added for it was anything that i enjoyed Mm -hmm. and especially like the over-reliance on heroes was something that i've always disliked in every battlefront uh mm-hmm. that has come out since and that was really added in battlefront 2 because there were heroes in battlefront 1 but it i never found them to be quite as big a problem as they were in the original battlefront 2 and new battlefront 2 and yeah it i don't know yeah no i i totally understand um yeah it is one of those games that was just like tremendously rushed out and it ends up just being like battlefront 1.5 yeah but Let's talk about Crimson Empire. We've Do we have I think, <laughs> Yeah, I think both you and I kind of feel the same way about Crimson Empire too. Like we we both like number one. I like I I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think either of us are huge comic book guys. But one is at least fairly enjoyable because it tells a you know a pretty straightforward story, you know, a revenge plot involves some, you know, 
cool time period you don't often see in comics. But uh, Crimson Empire 2 is just... It's just not that good. <laughs> yeah. There are elements of it that I liked, but it's it's kind of hard to tell what the actual story going on here is. Because mm-hmm. uh, like, there's a few of them going on. It's like the hunt for Kirkanos, mm-hmm. the assassination of the council members, but none of it really actually ends up going anywhere that mm-hmm. it that it really wasn't at the end of the of Crimson Empire one. Like mm-hmm. I kinda like some of the the political intrigue, uh, but even that ends up being kind of like surface level and shallow and none of the characters really stand out. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I kind of felt about the political intrigue, like it ended up just being kind of messy as well. Mm-hmm. Um like there's like a hut faction there's the uh the black suns there's the new republic and there's the imperial remnant and there's just like kind of characters moving back and forth between the various factions um especially like the huts and the black sun and there's you know new republic agents going everywhere and kirk Hanos is a uh he's a you know doing his own thing and I, i just felt it was it wasn't hard to follow what was going on but it was like they're not really committing to anything. They, so what was the council trying to accomplish? They start off by saying, oh, I think we should stick to Carnor's plan. And the other people are like, oh, I think we shouldn't. But we don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what they're trying to accomplish. Like the, They don't actually try to do anything other than maybe not die because they're all getting assassinated. But even that, they don't really put any effort towards actually not dying. They just say, mm-hmm. hey, maybe we should get better guards. Yeah, and maybe we should make this guy a puppet master and then do nothing when he actually asserts power yeah like well he asserts power because he's got Namenor behind him yeah and uh Namenor, who we know infiltrated galactic society uh and this being what he's referring to when he's talking about that as mm-hmm. in hiding in the shadows and speaking with like definite evil guy vibes wearing a hood <laughs> and dark armor it's like really hmm. focusing on those s's <laughs> He's he's not the the most effective spy I've ever seen. No. Um. Yeah, it's cool that he's in there, and for, so for those who don't know, Nomenor is basically he's like the first Yuzhan Vong you really meet, and although you don't realize at the beginning um, that he's a Yuzhan Vong agent because he's sort of like a provocateur. Um, mm-hmm. What are the two plan? Des- is it Destril? No, it's um. What are the two planets in um, um, Vector Prime that he's... Uh, Ramamul and Asari. Ramamul and Asari, yeah. So he's basically trying to create instability wherever he can. Um, and we also know that he's kind of like an advanced Yuzhan Vong force, so the rest of the fleet shows up later, but he's been in the, the galaxy for some time now. This is like pretty much a decade before uh, the events of New Jedi Order. Um, so he's, I guess, just trying to destabilize the Imperial Remnant however possible. Um, yeah, well, we don't even know if he's trying to, de- is he trying to, like, turn them into a force that the Empire, or that the Yuzan Vong Empire can use when they show up, or is he trying to destabilize them? Is he trying to force them into conflict with the New Republic? Mm-hmm. All he does is say, I have plans for you, Zandel Karivas, and then mm-hmm. he just stays in the shadows, doesn't tell Zandel. You don't have to tell the guy what your plans are, you do have to tell him to do something to accomplish it. And yeah, so far that was like nothing except for, oh, uh, maybe we'll assassinate more people. But assassinate them, why? Because she voted against you in a vote you won? Mm-hmm. 
Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think part of the problem, too, is that, like, Dark Horse initially wanted to do the invasion storyline and then end up falling to Del Rey. So, yeah. like, I, I, I'm pretty sure, based on what I've read, that they knew, the, the writers who were making Crimson Empire 2, knew that Nome Nor was some invader, some force from, I think, even outside the galaxy. But, like, beyond that kind of basic idea, which we also see a little bit in, like, uh, the Thrawn duology, the idea that there are these kind of forces at play. I don't think that there was kind of more that was known other than that. Yeah. It... It just... It doesn't really line up with what we later learn about Nomenor and how he was actually operating... It can, it, you can make it, it doesn't like not fit in with it. It can be something no, that doing, but it just, it's not what you'd expect if you're looking at like, oh, the backstory of Namenor in, in the mm -hmm. galaxy, mm -hmm. uh, especially when like, he's supposed to be kind of infiltrating high society kind of mm -hmm. is the way he puts it, uh, mm -hmm. and infiltrating the culture, living amongst the, uh, living amongst the infidels is what he's always talking about as he's wearing like robotic armor <laughs> yeah and uh he's not doing any of that here he's just hiding in sandal crevice's bathroom or something <laughs> like closet yeah i don't know i've been playing a lot of hitman uh like off stream it's kind of like my go-to game and it just reminds me like of just the hitman games where like if you disappear into a dresser like they will never find you like ever like you're you're basically invisible or like there's one level i was playing where you're like in mexico and you can despite the fact that you're like a white guy with a bald head you can kill like a or no sorry it's india not mexico you can kill an indian barber a native indian barber and just take over his uh take over his persona without anybody batting an eye. They're like, yeah, this looks like the same guy. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of what I think Nome Nor is probably doing. He's just like hiding in closets till people forget about him. He's, you know, changing outfits really quickly. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. that actually kind of ties into something that we, we do complain about a lot is that there's so much cloning going on everywhere. Yes. And uh, it is literally the same guy, but there's like, clones of Xandal Carivas, there's clones of Fina de Asta, there's because mm. uh, the Black Sun which, the representative for the Black Sun that we get in this, in the comics is, uh, it's Marlon Brando uh, <laughs> and he's he's got some uh, some Sparty cloning cylinders, because why yeah. not and yeah. it's so Grappa the Hut is trying to basically clone the Imperial Ruling Council so he can just control the Imperial Ruling Council mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, I think someone just wanted the opportunity to write Spa RT. And I mean, I have noticed that these that these comics have been making, I don't want to say like token references to like other works, but they definitely, it is kind of nice because they definitely do go out of their way to like, um, you know, tie into to other stuff, especially like the Thrawn trilogy. Um, yeah. Because this came out in, this one kind of came out in 98, I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice that it's like they got a Marauder cruiser <laughs> at one yeah. point. There's the though... guy who's like clearly intended to be Pelion and they call him an yeah. admiral in one scene. The next time general. he shows up, they call him general. Yeah. Uh, but we we do know at this point that Pelion was already with Teradoc. So that's that's his mm -hmm. brother, his brothers, I guess, because there's an admiral and a general. So it's probably clones of Pelion uh, breaking that story now. Mm -hmm. But 
uh, I think Randy Stradley said, like, oh, it's up to the reader to decide if that's Pelly. I was like, no, it's not fucking Pelly. You just wanted to throw him in. Yeah. And then you were told it couldn't be. (laughs) It's clearly clearly Pelly on. Somebody also pointed out in the chat that the uh, Marauder is massively mishealed because we see it park inside of a... uh, I think it is it a a Carrick, I think at one point. Yeah. But um yeah, there's a there's a bit in this comic that kind of contradicts like the um the Callista trilogy stuff. Like for one, the Pelion bid, kind of the state of the empire I think is a little different. Uh although nothing huge there, but there's also the fact that like this Imperial Council is doing a lot of things that like Dala gets credit for doing later, mm-hmm. like it's got aliens, aliens on the council. There's a woman on the council. Um, to be fair, none of the humans are happy that the aliens are there, but they they de- they desperately needed a spearmaster. Yeah, so it's that's like, why we get spearmaster chunk. Yeah, um, it's that was a little weird. Um, it, I think part of that that issue too is like these comics are really weird in scale. Um, mm-hmm. Where it's like, this is supposed to be like one of the main Imperial Remnant factions. And it's like, yeah, we can't do anything because our fleet is looking for Kirkanos. Like the entire fleet is now looking and for Kirkanos across the galaxy. It does try to pin it as like, oh, this is the this is the point where it's a stalemate between the rebels and the Empire. It's like, we've mm-hmm. had that stalemate for 10 years in other works. Uh, yeah. And the thing that's really going to tip the balance here is that we're so busy fighting each other now the huts and the black sun are going to come in and start attacking mm-hmm. our stuff it's like this marauder cruiser is huge yeah i i think they would have done better if they had really focused on this being a smaller imperial group um mm-hmm. like especially like having pelion or the guy that looks exactly like pelion as part of the fleet or as part of the group like that makes it that gives it some legitimacy I mean, this this came out, you know, quite a while after, uh, like, all this timeline had been established. Because, uh, like, Children of the Jedi came out in 95, and I think the entire uh, Callista trilogy came out in 95, maybe late 96 as well. Mm-hmm. So, Darksaber especially. So, I mean, this it's, it's just kind of weird um, that it went the way it did. Yeah, like, if they had associated more with the Moffs, who have to be somewhere at this point, because the Moff Council mm-hmm. is still a thing. Like, is the Moff Council under the ruling council, maybe? And mm-hmm. so would this make the Ord Cantrell forces the, like, technically... Which was the council the... that, um, that Isard was, like, involved with? Was that the Moff... Was that the ruling council? I think that was the ruling council. And that's uh, the ruling council in this, in this as well, yeah. right? So Whether it's, it's actually the same Various thing. permutations. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'd have to, we'd have to get a special guest Spearmaster Chunk on to tell us exactly how the, <laughs> the transition of power yeah, happened there. Funkmaster for, yeah. <laughs> Funkmaster Manos and Spearmaster Chunk. I just love, um, cause I, I was thinking when I read that his title was Spearmaster, I was thinking about like, in, uh, I think it is Darksaber with Dala talking about how like the Deep Core Warlords have each given themselves like more self-aggrandizing names, like supreme overlord of all the empire and like um i can't really think of any others so it's kind of qu- nice to have the quaint you know spear master it's like this guy knows what he does is is he really the divine ruler of all imperial forces no but he's really good with the spear <laughs> 
Well, is that like a ceremonial title and really he's in charge of uh uh something else? Or did um, they just had they had they gone so far down in the empire's armaments that have been just destroyed that all they have left is the spears. So they needed a representation of the of the whippets who controlled the spears to be on the council. Supreme master of sanitation. <laughs> it's like this is supreme master of sanitation, Frank. <laughs> He's just like this guy with a beard, just like, hey, <laughs> gonna go crush a dart. <laughs> we- I only got 10 minutes for break. Can we keep this quick? <laughs> Scruffy uh, from Futurama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> like, I got some Star Destroyers in my shed out back. I can grab them if you want. Um. <laughs> I do like the... Uh, they do have some fun aliens as part of the uh, the ruling council. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure there's a Chadra fan at one point. Yep. Well, I, I'm actually not sure if that's a Chatter fan, but it's very similar to a Chatter fan. You know that fan. scene, you can like, yeah. yeah. Well, they they do the vote, and the Chatter fan, I think, is the one one of the ones that votes to get rid of Karivas, yeah. but I'm not 100% sure if that is supposed to be You a only Chatter see fan. it from behind, so... Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't, didn't the New Republic have a Chatter fan admiral, I thought? Uh, I don't remember any Chatter fan admirals. I do know that Techly gets uh, most of the Chatter fan representation, but mm. I th- let me see. I'm curious now. I thought there was one for sure. Man, I might just be thinking of Techly. Are you thinking of like Atana Bot or something? Uh, what is he again? Isn't he a Dornian? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I I was thinking there was maybe maybe he was just a captain. I thought there was one in one of the Rogue Squadron books, but I might be uh. Might be mistaken. I don't understand why so many alien designs in this have to be like the like they they end up Jabba's kind of looking like castle? given, but they oh well there uh, was like, a given in here yeah but there's there's the given but then every other alien that it introduces is just the same kind of weird sullen sunken eyed skeleton kind of creatures mm-hmm. and I don't know I've it just seemed like they maybe they could have invented something new that wasn't that. Yeah, so we get a new species in this one. I, at least I think it's a new species. I don't know if they were ever um, featured before. Zanabar? Yeah, I, I, every time I saw that, I was like, Zanzibar. So. Yeah, you got to go up and get the Spartan laser. <laughs> They'll take you. <laughs> yeah, the, the great... Uh... Zon Mixel? <laughs> yeah, so it's these... I mean, they they got a kind of creepy look to them. When they get mad, they kind of just, like, roll their eyes back. Um, Which I thought was kind of neat. But, uh, um, yeah, so they're kind of just like this another faction that's involved in in all this. uh, They're usually working with the hut, and they end up being the uh, the death of the hut as well. But we got a whole whole sort of uh, issue also about Kirkhanos basically just fucking their, their planet up. Which was fun. Yeah, it, it almost it's almost like the uh the Darksaber explanation of Jabba's palace where there's the order of monks that Jabba moves in on and gets him mm-hmm. to help him with his shit. And it seems like that's the exact same thing going on here where there's the the weird Xanabars and Grappa just gives them 
mm-hmm. this extra work in exchange. Like he gives them the people to do their ceremony with yeah. in exchange for uh, their services generally. Which, to be clear, is like the best deal ever for a hut. Mm-hmm. Because he has like he they're basically it's like if the rancor was also like doing shit for you instead of just eating people. Yeah. Because he just pays them with 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 meat basically. Yeah. Um, but he's running low on meat in part of the story, so they're like, We're we're gonna need more people or else uh you're gonna be the people. <laughs> and at no point does Grappa think like maybe I should give them my giant mantis, uh, which is probably <laughs> my favorite side character in this story. Yeah. Another shows up, uh, the, uh, yeah, patron, <laughs> Doctor Mandible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the Mantis too. Um, I love when uh, sometimes Star Wars is like, okay, we've got this really interesting creature. It's a human with these things called brain tails. They wrap around their their body. Or we've got this one. It kind of looks like a devil, but you know, fully sentient humanoid. And then sometimes it's like big ant or. Big mantis, <laughs> <laughs> or Corin with huge boobs. <laughs> yeah, that was a little odd. So there's also a scene that's definitely screen capable, um, where the hut is. It's to Kirk Hanos. He says, "Right, he's like, make sure you stay for the entertainment." And it's just like a really, just like very large-breasted Corin. Yeah, I, like, I did send you the picture directly if you want to. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hold on. That's a good call. Uh, let me just pull that up. <laughs> I also sent you a screen cap of my favorite line <laughs> when the the Xanabars are going to find Kirkanos after he escapes, and they just say, man gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll put these on screen real quick. Save image. Oh, why is it trying to... Okay, hold on one second. So yeah, like this, this is one, this is a really, honestly, like it was hard to control myself when I saw this image. Um, I'm just going to save it as sexy on my desktop. Um, next time Kelsey comes down to uh, do something on my computer and she sees something, just, just the word sexy on my desktop, she's going to click on it and be like, what, what, the, what the fuck <laughs> is this? Hold on, sorry, chat. There we go. So yeah, quite, uh, quite revealing. I mean... Yeah. I like them better when they're sailors in the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> um so I I guess like the main the characters who are supposed to be the main characters are technically Mirathsin and Kirkanos for the mm-hmm. for the series, but Kirkanos is kind of absent for especially the first issue. When he does show up, the comics start going a lot faster, not because he's adding much <laughs> to the story, but because all of his scenes have like no dialogue to keep him mysterious. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I kind of find him to be like boring, generic, punchy, killy dude who doesn't like, he's starting to come around to the idea that maybe the Empire wasn't what he thought it was. Because uh, there's one conversation between him and Mirth Sin mm-hmm. uh, where she's like, actually, my husband's dead and everyone starved on my planet because the Emperor didn't give a fuck. And Kenneth's like, hmm, that actually, maybe I was he's told like, wrong. Oh, things. my years of Imperial indoctrination were broken just like that. <laughs> well,. He he kind of starts thinking about it, but then he uh, he's yeah. still loyal to the Emperor. And yeah. everything Mirith Sin does in this issue, or in this, uh, in Crimson Empire 2, is much like in Crimson Empire 1, wrong. She kind of sucks at everything. Yeah, but I mean, in this one, she's at the advantage of Kirk Hanos kind of being a different character, because now mm-hmm. uh, he does 
care about his friends or yeah, his... he doesn't say you're not my friends and i don't care about you even <laughs> once in this book so i yeah, thought it so... wasn't staying very true to his character yeah um yeah more like jake canos <laughs> all right also uh, I, I know i don't usually do this but i just want to highlight saeed's comment on my youtube chat he said damn boy she kind of bad though um <laughs> probably in reference to uh to, to the corn yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Mirith Sin, uh, she tries the Leia shtick of dressing up. Mara Jade. Uh, yeah. Who <laughs> looks very different in the cover versus when she yes. shows up in the comics. Though in the last frames or in the last scene, she ends up looking more like the cover version of Mirith Sin. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, is Mara in this? When I saw uh, her on the exactly. cover the first time, I was like, oh no, that's Mirith. Mirith, yeah. not Mara. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unlike Mara, everything she tries just turns to shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, was, yeah, Kanos was going to kill Fina Dasta, who was mm-hmm. apparently an old friend uh, and had been cloned and put on the ruling council. Because yeah. uh, Kanos wants to kill the entire ruling council. So she's like, you you owe me after killing my friend for the last one when I asked you to leave Karnor alive. <laughs> it's like, no, he doesn't owe you shit. Yeah, there was like, no reason to keep Carnor alive. He wasn't going to tell you anything. Yeah, you know, like if this were uh, Crimson Empire one, Kirk Canos, he just would have said no and then just slaughtered her in front of her father, <laughs> pretty much, and killed the clone just just to be safe. Yeah, and he's got the entire ruling council in cells where mm-hmm. Carivas had put them, and he kills Carivas, and uh, Miras is like, you know what? You could just go and wipe them all out right now. They're all right there. It's like, mm-hmm. no, enough people have died today. It's like, you, you're still gonna try to kill them. Just go do it. <laughs> yes, but tomorrow. I swear to God, if that's what Crimson Empire Three is about, I'm gonna be upset. That is not what Crimson Empire Three is. Oh, about. Oh, thank God. It's about uh, it is about another Imperial warlord, though. I'll say that. Ooh. Um, I forget it. Enix Devian, I'm pretty sure is. Oh, that's Devian. Okay, that's yeah. the Restored Empire stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but uh, one other thing though. Oh yeah, it's it's Empire Lost, so it's it's man gone then Empire Lost. <laughs> a sad turn of events. Um, I think the ruling council thing kind of is a good example of the issue that I have not only with Crimson Empire two, but also like the Dark Empire follow ups. Is mm-hmm. instead of making a new storyline. They're kind of just taking the general idea from the first comic and trying to make it like like without doing any sort of legwork, they're trying to expand it to a larger scope. Like yeah. so in this, we learn that somehow the ruling council um, contributed to Palpatine's uh, the death of his clones. But I don't think that's really adequately established, in my opinion. Like, well, they it, just supported Carnor's poisoning. That's basically what that comes down to. Yeah, yeah. And I we still don't know what their plan is. Like, why they're important, what their plan is, mm-hmm. what they're doing to enact that plan. Their fleet here is like the what the Carricks, because we know they used to have two star destroyers with uh, Emperor's Revenge and Steadfast or Stout. Well, there's Steadfast a shot of a star destroyer early on um mm. but but yeah. we they're not doing anything <laughs> they're just dying <laughs> and then wondering why they're dying <laughs> yeah that that's one thing i i didn't like 
also about this comic, even more so than the first one, I thought the art was really lazy, especially for like, well, not lazy. I just didn't think it was very good. But like the space battle scenes were pretty lazy um, because they were just, it's basically just like someone Googled Marauder PNG on then like X-Wing PNG and put them on opposite sides of like, a, like a Photoshop document and called it a day. Mm-hmm. And then like for the next image, they like move the X-Wing, but not the Marauder. And it's like, we good? <laughs> well, there's the there's the chase in the forest with, or I guess that's not forest. That's rocky towers. Those aren't trees. Uh, where they've got Mirathsin's A wing and Kirkandos is like holding on to the back uh, that was while they're epic. being chased by the uh, little hut land speeder thing. Mm-hmm. And you'd think they'd be able to outrun that. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be a starfighter, the hut thing, or if it's just a land speeder. It looked like that green speeder from Empire War. Hmm. I don't Although I'm pretty sure that's a prequel speeder, so I think that was the one from uh, the GN so speeder. It, it wouldn't be that, yeah. But yeah, it it's uh, it, it looks like it's meant to be a hut design. Yeah. But there's no way she's going as fast as that A wing can go because he's still holding <laughs> no. on. So they're they were very easily able to get away had they actually chosen to. Mm-hmm. Just get cozy in that cockpit for like a minute and go more than five miles per hour. Yeah, I love in Star Wars when there's, like, situations where you're trying to fit two people into one starfighter and they just, like, don't even try. They're like, the X-Wing's only designed for one person. It's like, at least try, though. <laughs> like, they fit they fit Hokash Ekwash in one. Like, what are easy, you easy. doing with the picture? Not nothing. Just focus on the podcast. Okay. Hmm. Mm, don't like it. Focus on the podcast. Anyways, I don't even know what else I want to talk about. I'm just looking. I'm just gonna here. I'll read you my notes for this episode. I'm sure they're gonna be pretty enlightening. Um, I took four, I think. <laughs> Prim Empire Two Council spelt wrong of blood. <laughs> After Star Wars, I assume I wrote that because. The beginning of the book uses the a the old ASW instead of uh, BBY and ABY. Did you notice that? Uh, no, they did. Cool. <laughs> my first uh, my first note was aliens on the council and woman or women. Sorry, uh, and then Kerr and Sin both with Hut, and then Simp Canos an easy indoctrination break. EZ. So, did you like the Dasta fighters? What were they? They're just they're fighters that belong to the the Astas. Not really. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> are are any of these uh, guys in Thrawn's Revenge? You have uh, the Emperor... uh, most of the entire most of the ruling council is. Uh, if you load up the Crimson Empire GC, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these people are in there. Mm-hmm. We I don't think we have the the cool yellow and red striped marauder and all that stuff for the for the mm-hmm. Daasta sector, but they had they have a whole sector that they control. That's why they're important, but named after them or they're named after it. But yeah. I do think we should talk about the fact that Grapple lives in a giant honeycomb. Um, yeah, and then it gets shot, and he's like, "No, my <laughs> he's like, look at my post," and he's got, the honeycomb just got a big hole in the top. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that, that, I think that covers my notes as well. Uh, it's just it wasn't enjoyable. Like I don't know what to say. Like at least 
I didn't like Dark Empire 2, but at least it looked interesting. This was just really, really bland. There's some fun moments, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, like, at least, like, at least in the other one, uh, Dark Air Crimson Empire 1, we have Carnor Jax, who's, like, at least kind of an interesting enemy. Like, I'm tired of huts. Like, oh, we've got Hut who's not Jabba, but like Jabba in every way. Like, we're about to deal with that again when we do um, Dark yeah. Seed, close to book three, whatever the fuck it's called. So. Yeah, like, usually I like some of the stuff for the world building, but there's not much world building here. We get no. the, that the council is there, but we don't get context for how it fits into the Empire, how big it is, or other than, like, Ord Cantrell, where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get any idea of what they're trying to accomplish, like I've been saying. And as far as the character stories go, uh, Grappa just kind of seems like Discount Jabba in some ways, some of the stuff that happens with him. More like Krappa, am I right? <laughs> well, we get we get the <laughs> the fake bounty hunter plot that doesn't go anywhere. We don't like we know he's trying to get into the ruling council, but since we don't know what the ruling council is doing, we don't know what that really matters. The ruling council is literally uh, just dying and being bullied around by a Yuzhan Vong sleeper yeah. agent. <laughs> and as far as like the characters that exist between Crimson Empire one and two, there's no actual character development for either Mirror of Sin or. Uh, or Kirkanos, like, yeah, Mirith Sin, we get some backstory of, mm-hmm. uh, like, where what happened with her husband. But with Kerr, he, he's not, he develops he changes, as a character, but it's like sort not of. earned. Yeah, he, he doesn't do anything to change. He's just, he shows up and is already different. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still bad at, like, disguises and fake names because he's called himself, like, Commander Kill or something. <laughs> 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 Commander Epic Imperial. Don't question it. It's, it's uh, my mom's maiden name. It's kill. It's something kill. It Ten more kill. Killex kill. Killenstein. Yeah. Kill it, it's both two K names. And it's very obvious who it is if you put more than three <laughs> seconds of thought into it. So, it doesn't even have a full face mask either. <laughs> yeah. Kenix kill. Ghostfish does. Yeah, like the they're, the individual. I'm not saying that uh, Grappa doing the same things as Jabba, but like the individual beats of that story tend to be just a grab bag of stuff that we've seen from Jabba. Because mm-hmm. like aside from the plot of trying to take over the Empire, which uh, again we don't know what that's going to accomplish because we don't know what the ruling council is doing. Getting the clones in there, like do I assume they work for him? We get the thing at the end where like oh fina was actually selling the information or telling grab the information but like the party is just they look we remember this from jabba's palace the how mm-hmm. mirith sin gets in is hey look we remember this from jabba's palace it, it's just yeah yeah i mean it's just it's kind of boring um i don't think there's any other points i wanted to mention uh <sighs> The, the Yuzhan Vong stuff was nice. <laughs> yeah, it's nice that they do tie in the Killix and Vong and stuff in that way, but mm-hmm. it still didn't feel like it, that was what they were actually doing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I guess with that's the all Vong, that... Killick, you just have them out, but... Yeah. Unless, I mean... was, uh, was Mr. Pinchy meant to be like a Gorog or something? 
I don't think so. He's more like a praying mantis than an ant. Yeah. Well, the Kaleks come in many shapes and sizes. So, yeah, but no, it's, it's of... not Gorog that's the big one. That's just a... Gorog's like the name of the hive, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't the the dark nest or whatever? Yeah, it was the, the other one. Fuck. There was the big tanky ones, but... I think they were just called Thick Kaleks. They weren't, yeah, just, just, they weren't just called Thick Kaleks. I'm like, pretty sure Kaleks are only a thing because... Times. Troy Denning wanted to make a more violent Star Wars book, and they're like, just kill the bugs. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we got that with the... Was it the... With with the assassin bugs trying to get Tanelka's family. Like, mm-hmm. all the kids were just stomping on... Was it Ouroboro that was the big ones? I don't know. Uh, that does sound right. Well, I remember, like, when there's one bit where Luke, like destroys one of the nest ships or whatever and he goes on it just like describes him just like eviscerating them it's just like mm-hmm. it's okay because they're just bugs even though they're like obviously fully like sapient and mm-hmm. like not just bugs it's like it's, yeah I don't know. it reminds me of uh what's it called um what was i gonna say why am i forgetting the name of that movie um uh Starship Troopers? Yeah, Starship Troopers. I don't know. That's still my mind, yeah. Yeah. Every I, I think about that scene like almost every day where at the very end we're like everyone's fully gone, like full Nazi, like wearing the the Nazi trench coats and shit, and like they catch the the giant bug, the brain bug or whatever, and they go, It's afraid, and it's just like quivering, and they're like, It's afraid and it's just <laughs> <laughs> good shit. Um. So, do we want to get to emails then? Yeah, I mean, do you want to give final final thoughts? I think I think we. Both I think we kind of just did that <laughs> yeah. there. Like, I, I don't want to be mean to it, but yeah. it, it's it... a lot of people like it. I I get why you'd like it. Not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Uh, looks like we've got a lot of questions actually. Um. Do you want to start? Should we start with Joel's? Uh, did we answer Justin's at the end of last episode? Um, the Bradium. Yeah, we we mentioned. Yeah, we did. Okay, yeah. okay. So, so yeah, that means Joel's is the first one here. We actually answered most of Joel's because he asked, "Was the Namor always meant to be a Vong agent? Kind of, not necessarily the Yuuzhan Vong, but as something yeah. like a, a foe like that." Um, it just hadn't been established yet what the Vong would be mm-hmm. uh, fully. And even to the extent that it was set up, uh, Dark Horse wasn't necessarily getting all that information. Because mm-hmm. uh, here we have yet another example of uh, yeah. Del Re- or Dark Horse and Del Rey slash Bantam not really being on the same page with some stuff. Yeah. Um, Jay and to asks... be fair to Dark Horse, they tend to be the one that is more willing to incorporate others. But... Yeah. Yeah. Um... Sorry, uh, I think Jay is next. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asks, are there other clone commando squads? Yeah, there are a bunch of other ones. Um, there's that one in Dark Lord, Rise of Darth Vader. I forget what they're called. Um, yeah. The ones who don't do Order 66. But yeah, there yeah, are. Yeah, there's there are Delta Squad, Omega Squad. Uh, Omega Squad is the one that we get a bit more of in the Repcom books. Uh, so yeah, there, there'd be a huge variety of Republic Commandos. Yeah, I can't remember the name of 
of the one, but yeah, there there are there are many. Um, we go. We have one from Tristan who says, "Oh, he says this is an interesting question. The one about Karen Travis's depiction of the Mandalorians." He says, I noticed in my reading of the first few books of Legacy of the Force that the mix between authors seems a bit hectic. I think we've sort of talked about that. Mm-hmm. And you definitely can't tell which author's reading one, because if, if it is Karen Travis, it'll be Mando stuff. If it's Troy Denning, it'll be, uh, what's her name? Uh, the uh, the Twi'lek. Um, Lomi Plo? Is it Lomi Plo? Or? The the Twi'lek? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Um Lomi Plo is the dark Jedi who joins the mm-hmm. darkness as well. Right. So his question is whether you think Karen Travis sort of overemphasizes the role Mandalorians play in the Star Wars universe. I'm pretty sure most EU fans would say that. Yeah, she yeah. does. Because um, she's she's someone who like very who takes the uh, like the what four million total clones mm-hmm. as like that is what that number means and that is everyone in the Clone Wars. Even though you could like crew two Venators and. Have yeah. some ground forces with that, and then you get the thing where like uh, Django is like training Jaina, or the clones are training Jaina and how to beat. Uh, you mean Boba? Jason, or yeah, not not Django. Even Karen Travis, Force Django. Django can't survive without his head. Uh, but like, yeah, the, cause the Mandalorians don't get your head cut off. Because apparently the Mandalorians are like the the experts mm-hmm. on how to take down a Jedi or a Sith, despite the fact that yeah. They're, they're, Especially at that point. They haven't done it in a while. <laughs> and they lost yeah, the other war. They never really do it that well. But uh, yeah. So good, good question though. I think that's a pretty a pretty common... Uh, you know, Karen Travis being uh, loving Mando's is a... Yeah, there's a, there's a copy post on my Discord server about something I said about that. That <laughs> uh, can't be repeated. Um... Cedric asks, could you guys do an episode on Outbound Flight? Uh, yeah, we'll definitely do that. That's one that we could probably slot in pretty much whenever, right? Yeah, it might be interesting to try to do it bef- right before we do uh, Star Wars colon, uh, the Star Wars colon, uh, Chiss Adventures colon, Thrawn colon, oh, yeah. Chaos Rising colon, Book 3 mm-hmm. uh, colon, Book 2, uh, A New Hope colon, uh, Ascendancy's Honor, or whatever it's called. Right. Are we are we gonna do Outbound Flight and uh, what's the other one? The follow up to it. Um, well, the Survivor's Quest is Survivor's technically Quest, yeah. a follow up, but I think Survivor's Quest was written before Outbound Flight, actually. Mm. Okay. But yeah, well, they, they're probably... technically a, a reverse duology. Because Survivor's Quest is like when Luke and Mara go to like, isn't that when is it or when Luke goes to the uh, the crash? Place, yeah, that's it? why. Yeah, Luke and Mara go to the crash. They meet some fells. Yeah, I think is it Shaq in that one? I cannot yeah, I remember. remember. It's been ages since I've read that one. And uh, uh, there's the, I think Orc Seven's there. There's the Droidica. The Vigari show up again. Uh, Don't they also fight a Droidica in the duology, or is that maybe it's not a Droidica? Maybe it's just a Droid. Because I remember when they're in like Thrawn's cloning chamber. They fight something like some droid almost kills them. Remember when Luke almost like drowns? Yeah, I think that was just uh, just a droid. Yeah, they 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 drowned Thrawn. That wasn't very epic. Mm-hmm. No, it was. They're like, way goes, boys. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Gaming Central, who asks, "Could the High Republic series lead to a canonized Plagueis book?" 
and even a movie or Disney Plus exclusive show. Um, um, yeah, good. Probably something covering the same kind of thing as Plagueis did. I don't think it'll yeah. be like, if you mean like canonizing Darth Plagueis the novel as it is, uh, that would uh, that wouldn't really work out, I don't think. Um, but we do know that uh, the Acolyte show is going to be closing out the era and it's going to be mm-hmm. uh, probably around that time. It so, may be little Plagueis. Yeah, we we might get some Plagueis in that or maybe afterwards, but I, I wouldn't doubt that at some point we might see a live-action Plagueis of some kind. No, me neither. Um, I think it's... Because, like, eventually they're going to want to somehow make the High Republic, I think, um, tie into, like, the rest of the lore, right? Yeah. Um, Whether it ends up being explicitly part of the project or if it's something that follows up. But, yeah. Exactly. I'm not saying there will be, like, a crossover event or anything like that, but you need to have what's going on in the High Republic impact the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the... uh, the Nil or the Nihil are not the final villains. I think they're probably not even like the mid-tier villains of the High Republic. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this a bit, but my theory, I can't remember if you said this as well, but I think the Sith will probably be revealed, although not to the Republic, but they'll be revealed as yeah. maybe puppeteers at some point. Yeah, then we got to figure out how the Nihil get to the Nihil retreat in the uh, Unknown Regions. In Twitter I saw that on Reddit today or Twitter, maybe someone pointing that out. Sorcerers of Toon recanonized when? <laughs> what um, if that turns out to the, to be the big bad in in uh, High Republic and Wandavision or something? I don't know and Wandavision. Have you been watching that show? Uh, last weekend, Dane and I actually watched every episode in the space of a few. Is hours. it good? I'm really enjoying it. I didn't expect much going in. Uh, so are even you, are you a Marvel much, guy? Kind of like I've watched pretty much all the movies and i generally enjoy them but i'm not like diehard marvel fan or anything i've never watched any of the shows i thought the premise of wandavision was pretty weird but uh Mm -hmm. i think i think it's handled really well so like it's Mm -hmm. not kind of it seems like they're trying to actually do something with it rather than having it just be kind of disposable action which seems to be what they're saying that Mm -hmm. uh the falcon and the winter soldier whatever it's called is gonna be so mm-hmm. yeah i mean marvel does a good job like i'm not i'm not a fan of marvel i'm I'm not not a fan of marvel but i'm not like big into comic book movies anymore mm-hmm. uh just i feel like they've I, I they're not grounded anymore which I've, I've complained about this all i don't need to go into it here but uh, i i do think i'm gonna watch that show because the marvel they do a good job of getting people who aren't super hyped into marvel like their seats in the their 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 butts in the seats like I saw Endgame on like the first maybe two or three weeks just because the mm-hmm. hype was so high, and I'll probably do the same with uh, WandaVision. Watch it at some point. I mean, you got to. I, I wouldn't anyway. say WandaVision is like is especially grounded. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's Scarlet Witch, and she's got the kind of the wackiest powers. But isn't she like telekinesis or something, and like force fields and stuff? Yeah, she's she can do a lot of stuff. She's probably. She's the strongest. Like, yeah, she she's basically the strongest, other than maybe like Captain Marvel or something. But uh, but what they're actually doing with the powers and what the show is addressing, I think, is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So I, I don't want to spoil anything. So um. yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of imagine what's going to happen. Like I know that there's something, something not quite right without having seen it. I'm sure it's like a Thanos thing. But anyway, um, yeah, if we could do an episode on that, I'd, I'd yeah. be interested. Um, you could watch that because it's pretty hot. Fun. So, um, and the episodes are short, aren't they? Uh, they're they're about thirty minutes. Yeah. Because th- there's it, actually, there's like 10 minutes of credits in each episode, so it'll take 7 to 10 minutes off, whatever the length it says it is. Right. But. Is it like a one-season thing? Like a... Uh, I don't know if it'll be more than one season. I I don't know how it's going to end, but it, it's going until, what, March 5th? Okay. So, so there's like still a couple more, more episodes, episodes, yeah. Is it, does it do the Friday thing that Mando did? Yeah, I think it's like the same kind of 3 a.m. release date kind of thing. I will say, as somebody who's not, like, who's, will probably enjoy the show, but, like, not looking for spoilers or anything, I haven't been spoiled, really. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if people are just being, like, do you, do you, what do you think, like, hype around the show is right now? Like, it's, it seems like there's a lot of people talking about it, but, like... There's a lot of hype, and there's a lot of people talking about it, but it's, there's specific things you can spoil, but it's not a show about, like, big reveals necessarily. Like, there's some mm-hmm. important elements to what's going on that you can spoil, uh, but some like of that Luke you can Skywalker. kind of figure out. Yeah, uh, yeah. It like there, there's definitely stuff going on, and there's definitely stuff you could find out that would possibly mm-hmm. like impact what you're expecting to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, like some of the stuff that you find out is stuff that you could probably figure out early on as well. But yeah, so okay, yeah. Well, maybe that can be something we can slot in. Maybe one episode just talk about the uh, the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I think that we get to Aaron's question. One from next. Aaron. They take the first one. Um, he's asking because he's talking about how there's been a, a really positive fan reaction to Luke and the Mandalorian. Uh, he's wondering whether he thinks stories that take place between episodes six and seven, like the uh, I think probably the best example of that would be um, Star Wars Hunters. whether they should use recasted actors uh new animated characters or i will add also the uh the deep fake luke skywalker style what do you think uh i feel like i i wouldn't hate seeing them recast and done Mm -hmm. uh with some if they want to do like a show or a movie in that period like Mm -hmm. i recasting doesn't bother me if they're doing it for that reason uh like i was someone who would have been perfectly happy with sebastian stan luke skywalker in the mandalorian and thought for like two seconds that's what we got so uh, yeah but because like they already did it for solo i had no problem with it there like people's mileage may vary on how much they like that with uh solo and lando but Mm -hmm. uh but like i don't personally have a problem with it if they want to do animated series like uh rebel style or something then that would be fine too, but I feel like those characters are already so established in live action that mm-hmm. if you tried to transition characters that you know from live action to animation, it can sometimes be a little bit more jarring, or it takes a bit longer to warm up to those characters. Uh, yeah. Whereas going the opposite direction isn't usually as big of a problem. But I do think it'll be a bit weird if we have you know like a, a trio moment where it's like. Um... Carrie Fisher's daughter and Sebastian Stan and uh, whoever for Han, maybe the solo guy. (laughs) Like that would be weird if it's supposed to be, you know. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I, I think the best way... I, I don't think they're ever going to make a show between six and seven where the three characters, the trio, are the focus. Yeah. Um, but I think that we might see them appear. Yeah, I think it'll mostly be books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think we've got a couple more questions left. Yep. Um, we've got one from Jeff who says, I'm currently rereading chronologically most of Legend of Thrones, wondering which source book should I read? I know the Dark Empire source book is pretty much essential, but what about the other ones? I mean, I don't think any of the source books are really essential. Um, especially, like, a lot of the source books ended up having the more important stuff incorporated. Like, if we're talking about, like, the old West End game source books and, like, the old RPG source books, a lot of that important stuff ends up getting incorporated into, like, the Essential Atlas, uh, mm-hmm. the Essential Guide to Warfare, the Essential Character Guide, the Essential uh, Guide of Droids or whatever that book's called. Um, so I don't think you really need to go into the old source books unless you really want to focus in on one specific thing. Like, read yeah. Dark Empire if you want a lot more information about Palpatine specifically. Um, other than that, like, there's not really, like, there's not really a whole lot else. Yeah, it, like, if you really want to do a deep dive on them, then they're they're still worth reading. There's a good amount of story stuff thrown in there, but yeah, a lot of it does get incorporated other places. Yeah. I, I think if you're going to read one though, maybe like the Imperial source book, um, that one's really good. Um, yeah. The rebel Alliance source book is a good one for general information on like, and the, the setup star of the rebel War- Alliance, the actual star Wars source cool. book too is good. Like the, mm-hmm. the original one. Uh, like the the Bill Slavisek ones and the uh, kind of the, the the late eighty ones are interesting, but not from like a you're gonna learn a lot. Just it's cool to see like you know oh here's a reference to Coruscant before it really existed, or like here's where the Dreadnought Heavy Cruiser or the Victory Star Destroyer came from. Yeah, so like do keep in mind when you're reading these source books, a lot of them are pre prequel, so before anyone knew what the Clone Wars really was or what the early Empire really was. So there's a good amount that gets retconned after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's very little that gets entirely thrown out, but you get some references to things that just straight up don't make sense uh, and mm-hmm. did need some retconning. So just try to keep that in mind if you do go back and read some of those. I was always surprised they didn't do more with the... Uh, oh, I forget the name of it. What's that Imperial... Um, the Ubiquitrate. Um, mm-hmm. They're always mentioned a lot in those old source books. And besides for... The Ubiquitrates mentioned, I remember, in the Thrawn duology, but... In, it's in the, it's a, in the Thrawn trilogy, because it's yeah, the Ubiquitrate base at uh, Oprah Sky. Yeah. And that's the same one. Isn't that the same one they go to in the duology as well? Uh, I think it's the Ubiquitrate at Yaga Minor in oh, okay. duology. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's cool to see the little stuff that made the cut and the stuff that didn't. But other than that, you can get most of your information from. I mean, you also have to think about what a what a RPG source book is. Like, it's not. It is meant to give lore, but it's also meant to help you play an RPG. So, you're it's much giving better you off. context information to set up your own stories. Yeah. So it. Yeah. So like they have different the, goals novels. Something like the Essential Guide to Warfare, though, that's not an RPG source book. That's just a source book. Yeah, that's that's a revenue source for us. Yeah, or like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, great question. Um, 
I think we had one more. Uh, yep, from Jacob. Uh, so you guys may already know this, but if you purchase a book to the Kindle store and get the Alexa app on a phone, uh, it will give you the audiobook on a bridge for a lot cheaper. That is it's true. It's read in Alexa's voice, so it's not always perfect, but you can set speeds and stuff. So that will be handy for anyone who's uh, looking for audiobooks of stuff. You that can Sometimes also... Sometimes the, the yeah. voice is a bit much. You can also find... Um... You can also find, if you know where to look, they do have accessibility uh, versions of pretty much every Star Wars book. So I, I think they were made for like the Library of Congress originally. Yeah. Um, I've listened to some of them and they're actually pretty good. Like I expected them to be very monotone, um, but the and like just like really literally just reading it word for word. But I listened to Death Star, which doesn't even have or a good chunk of Death Star, which doesn't even have um, an or not audiobook at all. It didn't even get an abridged one. Mm-hmm. And, like, the guy does different voices for each character. Obviously, obviously doesn't have music and sound effects and stuff, but it's it's pretty good. It's definitely definitely list, uh, readable or listen-to-able. <laughs> listen-to-able is good. Yeah, that was my rookieism of the day. All right. Uh, with that, I think that... That wraps up Crimson Empire 2. Yep. So next week, we're going to be talking about Crimson Empire 3. It's better. Hold it on. is better. From what I remember. Empire. Lost. And uh, then the week after that, we are going to be talking about Victory's Price. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the week after that, we don't know. Maybe WandaVision, maybe something else. But yeah. make sure I mean, you guys if, do if your homework. lines up with the WandaVision finale... Uh, yeah, that, that kind of does. You said uh, it ends it, on... Because that'll be the 4th. Or no, that'll be the 11th. That'll be the 11th, and the finale of WandaVision is on the 5th, I believe. Okay. So it would line up. Okay. Um, but then remember, after that, we will do, do your homework. Two Crimson Four Empire, which is the, uh, the fourth um, book of Crimson Empire. Good night, everybody. Corey, say goodnight, please. No.